Motorsports Worldwide Live. In three, two, one. On 947, Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. Hashtag MSW. Because I could say it's a snowy Monday, I could say it's a, it's a rainy Monday, it's a cold Monday, but it's one thing I can tell you about Durban. Uh, no matter what happens, there will be a certain level of warmth. And it's even warmer when you have somebody in studio that has rocked the racing world and has made sure that he makes a big name for himself. Uh, the Hollywood Bets Durban July came and it's gone. Uh, the posters are still up though, which kind of reminds us that uh, it was there. And I think I know most of you, uh, what still lingers in your minds is the impeccable fashion on the day. But to me, it certainly has to be Cabello Matunyan. I think meticulously how we managed to win the race. Uh, I must say I lost a lot of money. <laughs> Winchester Mansion was not on my mind on that day. It should have been. It should have been. And I feel bad. I feel bad about that. Uh, I mean, what a talent uh, this young man is. Uh, pipping his hero to land the biggest prize in SA horse racing. Now, KB rode the four-year-old, the gelding there, Winchester Mansion. I don't know, he'll tell me where they got the name from. But he rode it to victory in one of the more memorable finishes of this great race that it has ever seen in 127 years of existence. So I've got the man here in studio. Kabelo, good to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for And to the listeners out there, good evening. How does it feel when we say champ? When you say champion of the Hollywood Bets Durban July 2023. You know, when I hear those words, it's it's amazing to hear that. And it makes me feel proud of myself and with all that I've accomplished over the years. And I mean, I've, I've had um, a lot of um, nice names that people are giving me. Um, you've got Benny Langer call, calling me King KB. Um, you've got guys calling me the magician. So hearing names like that, um, um, it shows that I'm doing something with my life. Magician, I can imagine. Because when you got the favorites, that's like literally a nose away. Or you're a nose away from him. It was just a case of who kicks in better towards the end. How are you communicating what you want to the horse itself? Because I always get told by the junkies that it's, it's a two-way language. It's you to the horse, the horse back to you. Yes, you know, the, these lovely majestic animals, they, they, they're feisty, they've got a big heart and yeah. one most important thing is they're very smart so when you ride horses um, I always tell people it's not about strength as much as you can see most jockeys we, we, we're small yes but um, you ride horses with with, with, um, with your skill and working with them sometimes a horse can tell you what it wants and you know going back to the July itself I, I know my horse from back at work and I've been working with him and just getting to know him better it, it's more it's very important especially when you go for big races like that to get to know your horse better know their temperament their behavior how they like to be ridden and what how they perform at their best and what you need to do to um give them that opportunity to actually give you their best so in that race i knew i had a game plan going into the race and um special mention and a special thanks to uh, my mentor anton marcus who guided me through um to the race and you know, prior uh, days to the race, he was giving me his insights. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had a game plan going into the race. And um, in that moment, especially the last 400 meters of the race, that, that that's where the race begins. That's what we always say. The, mm -hmm. the beginning of the race, coming out the gates, that's, that's just the prep work. Mm -hmm. the, the real race starts at the 400 because from there, it's um, may the best man win. 
So when I saw the legend himself, uh, Mr. Stradom, approaching me like that and going past me, I did think to myself, I won't lie, I did think to myself, maybe I might, I might just have lost my race right there. But at the same time, I thought to myself, you know what, I didn't come here to run second. I came here to, to do my best and win the race doing my best. And if, even if I get beat, I want to get beat knowing that I did my best. And I, did, I gave my horse every chance it had in the race to, to have an opportunity to win the race. And when I saw Mr. Stradom trying his tricks, um, you know, he likes to intimidate and, you know, show his um, experience on us. Yeah. When I saw that, I mean, he's, he's a very tough man to beat in a fight out. So when I saw all the tricks coming out, I did say to myself, no, he's, he's definitely hitting a panic now because now he's not going away from me. He just literally went past me by neck of a horse and he's not going away. And my horse was just fighting back and... The moment he did approach me, I, I decided to change my stick to the left so I can be parallel with him and give him a fight and not shy away from him. And my horse was also there to help me to, to actually give in, not give in the fight and fight to the line. I mean, horse and jockey were both ready to go to war. And, you know, that was when Chester mentioned he, he holds a special point in my heart now um, because he literally gave me his absolute best to win that race. So... Yeah, it was just an amazing moment. Let me pick out two things from what you've said, which I find very fascinating. And that's why we brought you into the studio. Uh, when you talk about Stradom's tricks, yes, besides you talk about the panic coming through. But what is he saying? Is he saying verbally anything to you? Or is it about just the body of how he's controlling the horse, maybe coming closer to you? Tell me about those tricks. Well, you know, in the race, we, we can say a few words to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time, there won't be pleasant words, but I won't yeah, be saying that in public. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family show, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but in that moment, it's all about body language. Right. You, you, we don't communicate verbally. It's, it's all about body language. And in a race, you need to be very vigilant and be aware of your surroundings. And, I mean, if you look at him, he went for his run on the inside of the track. And I went... For my run on the middle of the track right so for him to go past me and not keep his straight line and come towards my running line on the middle of the track that's it it's called race it's intimidation mm. so it's like being on a road when you're driving and someone is just keep pressing you on your lane mm. you know you'll shy away and it's the same with horses some horses will shy away but there's horses that know how to stand their ground and especially when you have a big horse Big horses tend to, I mean, horses are very smart. They know when they, they beg and they know when they can bully people. They know yeah. when to bully another horse. So in that point, I mean, he, he tried to intimidate my horse, knowing very well that my horse is a type of horse that likes to look around. And, but he didn't realize that he was actually helping me when he came to intimidate me like that. Cause now he gave my, my horse a, a reason to, to fight back and it was an advantage to me because now my horse cannot run around like it used to before because now I've got him as my guidance to keep a straight course rule. And when he bumped me, that's when I knew that, no, he's definitely hit a panic. And with young horses like the one he was riding, see it again. He's a three-year-old. He was carrying 56 and a half, giving a four-year-old three and a half kilos. It, it was never going to be easy for him to, to win a, a fight out like that, especially... When the tables were turned around, I wasn't. I was the one chasing him to get to the line first, and not the other way around. I think if maybe he was the one chasing me to the line, he would have probably had a better chance to to win the race. But also coming back to the weight, it would have still been a very tough point for him to actually 
go past to beat a four-year-old carrying mm. a lighter weight than him. Now, the other interesting thing I picked up as we head to the break is your, your switch of hand with the stick. That was brought about by what? Uh, in a race, you have to make split-second dis- uh, split decisions. Well, that's what is amazing me because you feel in the heat, you can see the finish line almost. You want to be ahead. You can tell that the favorite is right next to you, but then you have this mental capacity to say, technically, let me do a switch. How does that happen? So basically, when he approached me on the inside, so if I must stick on the right, and if he has to intimidate me, and if my horse has to allow to be in- intimidated, and with me hitting him on the right side, mm. it, it, it's, it'll be like me encouraging him to, to actually intimidate me and drift off my, my running line. So with me changing my stick to the left, um, I know that if he does intimidate me and my horse tries to get intimidated, I've got my crop as a guidance to say, this is your running line. Mm. Don't let him push you out of it. So it's like a boundary. It's a it's border. A boundary, yes. 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 As much as I had him on my right hand side as my guide, guidance yeah. and my boundary, and my stick is also a boundary to the left. So it's literally both sides he's guided and he can keep a straight line. And most of the time, it's also a, a, a trick or a technique. Most jockeys are right handed. Yeah. So horses are not used to being hit on the left. Oh. So, we'll come back after the break. I'm, I'm telling you, it's fascinating, but all I know is that you have plenty of questions as well that you're opposed to uh, KB 2023 Hollywood Bets Durban July winner. Here's our guest. He's right here in studio. Marawa Sports Worldwide Live. In three, two, one. On 947, Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. Hashtag MSW. Homeward bound in the Hollywood beds, Durban July. Dave the King by a link. Towards the outside, Winchester Mansion. Rain in Holland. See it again, goes through the inside split. Son of Raj is running on. Look left, see it again. Winchester Mansion and Dave the King. See it again and Winchester Mansion. See it again. Hit the front, 150 to go. Winchester Mansion is fighting back. See it again and Winchester Mansion. Eyeball to eyeball, here it comes, Winchester Mansion, see it again, bless my stars in behind these, and the champion, do it again, sneaking in late on, Winchester Mansion, number four, Cabele Mazzagnoni, gets to see it again, and strikers straight in, they get very close, eyeball to eyeball, but Winchester Mansion, let's take a look at this, going to look to put the nose down, on the line from see it again and wins a head decision the drakenstein stud gain or rupert in the team the trippy yeah see it again that's just the commentary leading towards uh, the end of that race and obviously capturing Cabello Matsunyane as the 2023 Hollywood Bets at Durban July winner he sits here with me in studio going to be taking uh, plenty of your whatsapp voice notes also a couple of questions coming through on uh, social media again now Gabelo, as you were listening to that, uh, I could tell you were in the moment. Uh, how many times have you watched the race over and over again? I mean, I think I've watched it over a hundred times. Um, just trying to relive the moment and get it to sink in that I actually won the Hollywood Best 7 July. And it's just every time I listen to it, even this morning when I was um, by Hollywood Best um, headquarters, we watched the, the race again and it felt like it just happened yesterday and it's it's one memory that will never ever leave my head 
and it's probably what the best day of my life literally so when i just listen to it now yeah. even the commentary like i have it in my head and i know what they're gonna say I, while they're commentating i i can see the race yeah. in my in my head so yeah it's just an amazing moment I mean, we'll touch on you being at the headquarters of Hollywood Bets earlier today. And I mean, what a reception you got and having to watch that uh, with, with the people that put in so much work to make it, I think, in living memory, one of the most memorable Hollywood Bets Durban Julys ever. I think they've upped their game on many different fronts. Uh, and to see you with them and just to get the reception, what did that feel like? Knowing that, I mean, here are the guys now that's, that sponsor this race and they awarding you because you talked about watching it over a hundred times that was your 101st win on that day so historical and here you are watching it over a century yeah i mean you know this morning i, I got such a, a warm welcome to the hollywood bets headquarters i mean i've been with them well they sponsor me under their brand winning form so i've been with them for four years i think i was still in, uh, in my second year of my apprenticeship so you know the 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 service that they had for me getting there it was it, it was very welcoming and it was a nice gesture and i really appreciate it and i mean i even told them how proud i am to be one of them and the july itself i mean they they did an amazing job too to get the day to be as amazing as it was um you couldn't have asked for a better day that was literally out of the world i mean it was just amazing so yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful for, for the Hollywood Bats team and the winning form team. It will be strange for us not to backtrack somewhat. Uh, it was as you walked in, I said to you, geez, you're the, one of the taller jockeys I've ever met. And if I'm not mistaken, you were at 1.64 in height. So everybody has this typical image of the jockeys and, and the height and how tall they should be. Uh, but you kind of escape that. But then it's about your your body weight that then comes in. You at fifty two uh, yeah. kilos, yes, you know, average, comfortable, yeah, yeah fifty two, a, a comfortable fifty two. Maybe after winning, you know, all the parties and you know going home yeah. and the you know, <laughs> baked wonderful cakes for you that might change a little bit. But on average, that's your that's your weight. Does that get seen how though when you you don't typify what people see as you being a jockey at a certain height? You know, I, I get a lot, a lot of look from the other guys, um, especially with my, my dress code, because as I said, I'm a sneaker addict and yes. I like my Jordans. And so I'll dress up nicely, sporty, and people will be like, hey, you, you look like a basketball player. You not, you don't look like a, a jockey. I mean, I get that a lot because I think it's because of my, my, my body structure. I've yeah. got long legs and I'm quite tall. So, but my body mass, it, it's, it's low, which is an advantage to me. And yeah, most of people when they see me like, are you a jockey? You like one of the tallest jockeys we know. Yeah. Like, yes, I am. And I'm actually one of the lightest that you can find in the industry so far. One of the lightest. So, I mean, there is guys that are way lighter than me. Yes. But I mean, for my height, um, to be 52 comfortable, it's a bonus for me. And it, it opens up more opportunities with the trainers because you get these horses that can run in future races and they're carrying a lightweight. And they know that Gabriel Matsunyane, he's a qualified jockey. He knows what he's doing. Mm. We can give him a chance instead of putting, I mean, someone that is still an apprentice and still learning the ropes on a horse like that when there's mm. a lot that's uh, there's a lot at stakes. So, 
yeah, it's it's a it's a very huge opportunity um, advantage for me. And and when was that decision taken that Winchester Mansions will be your house? So um, a month or so prior to to the July itself, when well we we received um, Winchester Mansion from Cape Town. Yeah. And he just got gelded, um, and he was just coming back from a layoff and just starting off working. And then Mr. Crawford did mention that, look, we're looking to go for the July with this horse. Um, we know he's not in, uh, he doesn't quite, he's not qualified yet to be in the July, but we're obviously going to have a game plan and we're going to go through with it. So start getting to know the horse better at track and get to know him better, get along with him, and then we'll take it from there. And then obviously we went through the pro- uh, they went through the program um, Mr Crawford and James Crawford they went through the program and they decided which races they're gonna go with, and then that was the penultimate start where he ran second to Pakaya, that was his first run after a break, and then after that run we, we opted to put back the cheek pieces because mm-hmm. we know he's a thinker in a race so the cheek pieces sort of help him to to focus and give his best, and when we won the cup trial we knew that. Um, winning that cup trial, it's an automatic ticket to the Devon July itself. And I mean, the prep work was just, for me, it seemed very seamlessly and mm. everything just fell into place. Stars were aligned for, for, for the whole procedure going into the July. And when they told me that, yeah, I mean, you get him in the July, he's your ride, I was happy with that. Yes, I did have a few options mm-hmm. uh, besides Winchester mentioned, but. After I won the the the, the, the cup trial, I, I made my final decision. I said, okay, this is the horse I'm riding. He's in, and I'm sticking with my guns. I'm not changing anymore. And I mean, Mr. Crawford has been very supportive to me. Yeah. And he actually even mentioned to me when I started off riding for them, he told me, he said, um, you're gonna win your first group on with me because every jockey that has started riding for me, they got their first group on with me. So just keep working hard and keep your head down. You will get your group on. And for it to be so amazing to be the Devon July and him being, I mean, he's had a lot of tries in the Devon July and for him to have his first July, for the owners to have their first July, it was just a special moment. Sure. So Brett Crawford, as you talk about him, fascinating in terms of the world of racing, horse racing, and your ability to be very close up to him. I mean, you've just said it now, motivation, belief in you, etc. What would you say he brings into your mental approach? Because, yeah, there's one thing to be a great jock, but also you've got to have that self-belief. What does he bring into you mentally? You know, Mr. Crawford is one person that um, he he knows how to study people mm-hmm. and he knows how to work with people. He's he's very professional. And for, for, for us jockeys, for a trainer to, to come to you and say, you know what, I'm happy with what you want to do. He'll come and ask you. Um, Mr. Crawford is not a type of trainer to come and tell you what to do in a race. He asks you first, what do you think is going to happen in this race? How would you like to run your race? You give him your, your, your opinion to say, okay, this is what I think will happen and this is how I would like to ride my horse. And obviously, if he agrees with you, he'll be like, oh, well, I'm very happy for that. Yeah. With that, um, carry on. I leave it in your hands. I mean, even for the devil, July itself. When I tell you, there was no one moment where I was told, this is what you do, this is where you must be, this is how you must ride. Literally, we got to the parade ring, he said to me, you know the horse, you know what to do, I leave it in your hands. So that, as a jockey, it boosts your your motivation. 
um, there's trust. There is trust, yeah. you know, and for someone to to believe in you, even at points where you don't believe in yourself, mm-hmm. it, it means a lot. Because I will be honest, you can never say to yourself, "I've never won a Group One race before," and you'll never go to a July. Yes, I was confident going into the Deb in July, but not to say nothing will beat me. This is my race. It was a confidence to say, you know what, I'm in with the chance. I'm gonna do my best, and if it's mine, if it's meant to be, it'll be. But for him to believe in me to say, he's got this, it meant a lot. And it, as a jockey, you need stuff like that. You don't need someone to be, I mean, we're already going through a lot of pressure going yeah. into races like this. You don't need people adding more stress. Or and, negativity. Or negativity yeah. telling you, oh, you, you can't be doing that. Or we shouldn't have put you on. We should have put someone else on. You know, you don't want to hear all the negativity. And... With me, I believe the less you talk about something, the better. Yeah. Because the more you talk about it, you end up changing things and trying to do other things that you're not supposed to do. So you have a game plan, you stick to it. Obviously, you have plan B, plan C. But, I mean, also with, with jockeys, you can never ride to instruction all the time. You also have to use your own common sense in a race. And I think we saw that, though. We we, we saw that. I think what you described earlier is what we saw. And I don't know if in horse racing they call it a little bit of your flair and your understanding and your sense of what's going on around you. Yes, that's the most important part about racing, being aware of your surroundings and being able to to improvise during the race Mm. in a split second and say, okay, I knew my, I know my game plan was to do this, but now I'm, I can see it won't be possible to do that, but I need to go to plan B and do my best to try and win the race. And yes, sometimes it'll work out, sometimes it won't, but at the end of the day, we all learn from our mistakes. Mom and dad, were they there? Unfortunately not, but they were at home at the Valens booking and yeah. they were watching. And um, after the race, um, I phoned my parents after races and it was a whole celebration at home. All the neighbors were there supporting the um, uh, ward councillor was there. It was just a big celebration and people were celebrating with us. So it was, it, was a, it was a great gesture as much as they were not there, but I felt like they were there with me. I mean, you, you, you're in the middle. You've got a, an older sister, younger brother. Um, you were almost like a late bloomer when it comes to knowing and learning about horses, but it's just been such a quick, rapid rise to success that not too many people would have seen that. But tell me about that support, though, because it was, what, 2016 uh, was the year where this dream started to come into fruition for you. But your mom and dad played such a critical role. Uh, Tell me more about how they've been patient. I think you've publicly spoken about the fact that for the longest of time, they had to sacrifice. They had to sacrifice for you, for the family. You know, not having jobs, both of them, but they made ends meet uh, to get everybody through school and, and to be in a dignified situation where you all can be proud of yourselves now. They're listening, I'm sure, right now. And if you had to tell them something that you haven't been able to think about before, of telling them, and given where you are right now, front pages of every newspaper, you know, being spoken about, here you are today, gracing our studios here in Durban, being spoken to on MSW, what is it? Talk to me about mom and dad. You know, mom and dad, um, they're very special people in my heart. And, I mean, people will tell you I'm a, I'm a mama's boy. I'm very close to my mom. <laughs> You're allowed to. <laughs> I, I'll never be shy to say that. Um, you know, my parents have sacrificed a lot for us. Yeah. Growing up, 
my dad will make sure we go to bed with the full stomach as much as he didn't have a job but he'll always hustle and make it happen for us i mean for me to even join the academy the fees to go to the academy were very high and at that time they couldn't afford anything when i tell you now may most of people most of the people don't even know this but when i was joining the academy my parents didn't even have 500 rand in hand and how much was it to join to join the academy i remember the registration fees were like twelve thousand rands and the the tuition fees were something around seven thousand rand a month and yeah so because for a year i think it was around hundred and seven thousand something like that and at that time when we went for the final assessment and the final interview with the riding master mr bailey um the national riding master mr moore um i think the riding the other riding master mr o'donoghue mm -hmm. mr job the late mr job there was a couple of them when they were there and we were all there sitting around in the table and they were like okay fine now we let's get to business mm. we we happy with your son uh we think he's he's got the he's got the right physique for this job he's got the right mentality because they were interviewing me and asking me questions and just to find out how i'll deal with situations and s stuff like that and they're like okay let's talk business now okay this is how much um it costs mm. And my parents, I could just see in their face, my dad went pale. He didn't know what to say. So obviously they could assess the situation and they asked me to leave the room. And when they were discussing with my parents, I was like, okay, tell us how much you can afford a month. And then we'll take it from there. So my parents were like, you know, we can only afford 3,000 rand a month. Mm -hmm. But bear in mind, my dad... is not working. He's not working. My yeah. mom is not working. That 3,000 rand they're talking about is probably the money that he'll make to just get us through. Because I, I know that he and your grandfather were selling tires yes. at some point. Yes, they had a tire yeah. repair business where they should repair tires and sell tires and stuff. But after my grandfather passed away, obviously the business didn't carry on. So that was like something that was way back. When I was going through the academy stuff, it, that business was long gone my dad was he, he sells pre-loved clothing yeah pre-loved and new clothing he used to get imports from overseas so that's how he used to make his money <laughs> so when that happened when they came back to the car remember we went to mcdonald's mm -hmm. in that tough situation my dad still said you know what well done my son you made me proud day let's go have a meal he wow. took me to mcdonald's we had a meal and then we were talking like we don't know what we're gonna do my dad decided to sell two of his cars to get me into the academy let's park it there i know you talk about cars so it's a good place to park we'll pick <laughs> it up there after the break fascinating i just have to take a quick break when i come back and, and i must say that dead table as well as mama naomi yo we are indebted to you marawa sports worldwide live in three two one on nine four seven Boomer fm rise fm and so live hashtag msw Wow, the Rob, that man there in studio is giving us such insights into the dark arts that go into horse racing. Something as simple as a change of hands with a stick can make a whole lot of difference when it comes to the outcome. Thank you, Rob, for the great show. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the WhatsApp voice notes. Do send us through, as I said, the winner. The champ is here in studio chatting all things to do uh, with his victory and obviously how it's done.
Um, and Futinlala on Twitter was saying that does the junkie perceive the horse as his teammate? They have to work together, Angiti. Um, it is your teammate, isn't it? You talk to the horses. I mean, people have pets. They talk to their dogs. You have a chat with yeah. your horse? Yeah, definitely. You have a chat with your, with your horses. And horses can feel you. Horses yeah. can... If a horse likes you, you'll get along with them. And if you've got a very good temperament and a very calm and um, down-to-earth person, horses tend to get along with you. Yeah. Horses don't like people that are tensed up. If, if you're scared on top of a horse, a horse can feel that you're scared of it. And it'll make sure to get you off him. So, As an eject you? Yeah, it'll just literally just say, you just, I'm not feeling your vibe. Yeah. Just get off my bag. Just get on to your life. Don't come back. Has that ever happened to you? Yes, it's happened. it's happened. I mean, when I started riding, yeah. when I was in the academy, I, there was this one horse. It was his name was Stoical, and it was one of the retired horses that we used to learn riding oh, with. Yeah. And I used to be scared of him because he was big and intimidating. So every time I was riding him, I used to tense up and be tense on top of him. On in in one session, a session that lasts forty five minutes, he dropped me five times. No. So he could feel and when. The same horse, when I, I gained confidence in my riding and I was riding for a while, when I rode him, he was fine because now he could feel that, okay, this person on top of me knows what he's doing. I, I won't try and bully him. But before, if you don't know what you're doing and you're scared of them, they'll just literally eject you off. Sure. <laughs> okay. So talk about straightforward, hey? These horses, they don't mess around. I think just to finish off what I think was an important chat around that meal that you had where dad said you're going to go to McDonald's and the the tough conversation about the money side of things had to come up. How did that end? I mean, did he say okay, son, you know what? A plan's got to be made. Don't worry. How did that end? That's literally his words. Yeah. Don't worry. You're going. But I, I, was, I was a smart boy and I was ob- ob- observant. I could see what was happening in the family. Mm. I was never ignorant. I wasn't one of those kids that they know exactly how their parents are struggling to make ends to meet and I'll be asking for ridiculous things. I was never one of those. I could see what was happening. But when he told me that, I, I put my trust in him. I trust him. He's my dad. Yeah. And I know for a fact he always makes things happen, He, he without a doubt. Mm. So when he told me that, I was like, okay, cool, we'll see. But um, bottom line is, it ended up not going as planned because mm. now we couldn't get a buyer for the car. And the moment we got a buyer for the car, for some reason, the car started giving us problems. Now we can't sell the car because now we have to fix it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To a point where on the last day when I had to leave for the academy, I remember my sister had to call the academy. I had to call Mr. Bailey and told Mr. Bailey, look, um, we know Cabello was supposed to come, but we're struggling to gather up the money. But we, we're trying to make a plan. But... I mean, we don't think he'll make it. That was a day of going to the academy. Mr. Bailey said, you know what? I don't care what you do to get the money or how you get it, but make a plan to get that boy in Durban tonight. Wow. That was in the morning. That was Mr. Bailey's words. He says, I don't care how you get the money, get that boy in Durban. So long story cut short, borrowed money. My sister pitched in. She, she made it happen for me also. My dad was there. Uh, there was one neighbor that was there to help, giving me um, the bedding for, for the academy, going to the shops, getting the last-minute things. I didn't even fly to Durban. I had to take a bus <laughs> to Durban. My first time leaving Joburg, and I'm leaving it in a bus. Unfamiliar surroundings. 
I wasn't prepared to leave. I wasn't ready. I didn't even say a proper goodbye to my parents, to my family, mm. nothing. It was literally wake up, we're going, we need to get going. And I mean, when I got to the academy, yes, I was lost. I, I lost the whole introduction for the first years in the academy. But I got the hang of it. And I mean, when I got there, that's when I got motivated. And every time I think of how I got there and what my parents did for me to get there, what they sacrificed for me, it always pushed me to work even harder, mm. even harder, even harder, just to keep making them proud. And I couldn't thank, I can't thank my parents enough. I cannot. I mean, it's such a touching story, um, KB. And again, I thank your collective family because like you say, your sister also chipped in. Everybody chipped in simply because they believed in you. And that could also not only change your life, it will change their lives as well. And they know that. And I mean, when I focus back in your third year, you rode in France in the future racing stars race. You, you finished fourth. W what did that mean to you? Was, was that when you started piecing together the fact that it was not a bad decision? Yeah, definitely. You know, when I got that um, overseas exposure, I was yeah. like, yeah, okay, this is happening. I mean, who wouldn't want a job that can send you overseas for three weeks? I mean, who would want to go to France for three weeks? Was that your first overseas trip? Um, the first one was my second your one. second, yes. Yeah. But my first uh, overseas trip was the one to the UK. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was such an amazing experience. And, I mean, getting to race in the same race course as Frankie Dittori. What more can you? What more do you want? You've I mean, read about him. You've seen him. Yes, the first time I met him was in the UK. Yeah, and I watched him race as a spectator. But to be in the jockey room with him in France, it was a different environment. You get to be one with them, mm. and you know, it was that moment was one of the moments that I said, okay, this is something that I'm really happy with. And I mean, till this day, I love my job. I really, really love my job. I have a huge passion for my job. And I've sacrificed a lot myself also mm. for this job. And I've dedicated myself to it. And and, and that's the whole point, um, Cabello. Besides you doing the business in Hollywood Bets, Devon, July. That's why it was important for me. That's why I kept phoning you from last week and saying, "When I, I don't want to do a telephonic with you. I want to sit down. Yeah. I want to spend an hour. Because having researched a lot of your history made me realize that your story needs to be told to all of South Africa so that they can realize opportunity. And sometimes people sit on opportunity and maybe sometimes opportunity is something that you haven't even thought about because you were approached. I mean, you just there walking around and, you know, and then somebody says, hey, here is a chance. You don't think about it. You say, yeah, why not? Because you are going to try and be what, uh, an engineer, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But here you are today being known by all of South Africa. And pretty soon you're going to be known by the entire world because I can imagine that that hunger, that desire that you do have has the UK in mind, has some of those top races around the world in mind. How close are you to breaking that mold? You know, um, you can never tell. Time will tell. And I always say this to people. God has shown into my life that he can do immeasurably more. Yeah. Um, you pray for for a breakthrough and God just gives you even more. I prayed for a group one victory. God made it even more. He made it a group one victory. He made it special. He made it be the Hollywood best step in July itself, the most important race in Africa. And I mean, even that moment when they said God can will open doors for you, 
it doesn't mean that he'll tell you, okay, I'm opening the door on the left. It's going to have a number two sign on it. That's the door that I'm going to open for you. When I got approached, I've always been an open-minded person. I don't look at things in one perspective. Yeah. I always look at the brighter side of things. And when I got approached, I was like, what if maybe it's meant for me? Because yeah. even when I told my parents, they're like, we don't know nothing about what you're talking about, but anyways, we'll support you. And I was like, no, I'll know it. I'll, I'll get to know it. As much as when I was working in cars with my dad, mm. I told my dad, I said, I'll know how to fix a car. I'll know how to change a tire. I'll know how to service a car. I'll know how to do everything. With my mom in the kitchen, I said, mom, I'll be able to cook a full meal. So that's why, that's why you love your pasta and prawns? Yeah. Hey? I, I'm, I'm a kitchen guy. So you're so. the kitchen man. You're the chef. <laughs> huh? <laughs> the man yeah. who, so, who makes it happen. Yeah, I make it happen. I mean, anything is possible, guys. Yeah. Anything is possible. You, you put your mind into it and you just pray through it also. God plays a big role in our lives. And as much as you think uh, God is taking his time, he's not answering my prayers, it's not your timing. It's God's timing. And when it's right, you'll see it happen. I mean, I was looking at uh, since your graduation, um, you know, from the academy, that was literally August last year. So that graduation came through. You've racked up win after win after win. And if it hasn't changed, the last time I looked at the national log, you're sitting seventh. Yes. Is that the case? And what does that mean to you as you sit here in July of 2023? That on that national log, KB's name is there at 7th. I mean, you know, when I look back from where I started to where I am today, sometimes I laugh at myself, be like, wow, you actually really did it. Yeah. I mean, this has been my best season so far. And starting off the season, I was leading the South African jockey log for like a month or so. And that also boosted my confidence because I said, if I can be here, if I fall... You know when they say aim high, so when you fall, you don't fall too low? So when I was up there, I knew, even if I do have to fall, I'll still be in contention. And that meant a lot to me. And I mean, it's still motivating me to still chase the championship till the next season. I will not stop chasing. And I mean, I'll never know if I can get it if I don't do it. Defending is always a problem. It's always difficult. Yes. It was going to be difficult for Smanga as much as it's been difficult for any other job to do so yes um, how, how do you think you'll you, you'll wade your way through it um you know the most important thing about me is i'm still a youngster I'm, i still have a lot to learn 24 i'm still yeah 24 <laughs> years old young i mean it's it's i still have a long way and i still have plenty to learn um as much as i've won the devil in, devil in july it yeah. doesn't mean that i know it all and i've made it no I still have plenty to learn. And the more I grow and the more I focus on myself, the more I'll achieve more of my goals. I mean, this season I did manifest and I did say I will get 100 winners this season yeah. and I'll do my best to finish top 10 of the jockeys the most, if not top five. So I'm just going to carry on focusing on myself, keep learning, keep an open ear, keep my head down. When people talk, when someone approaches me and says, hey, I noticed you did this and this and this, yeah. you'll never hear me saying, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll check it out. Okay, but yeah, you know, I, I know what I'm doing now. I always go back and look at it, at his perspective. Maybe yeah. I did look, but I looked at it in, in my perspective. I'll go back and look at it at the other person's perspective. 
and I'll see what they're talking about and I'll fix my mistakes and improve myself. Because so, when, when we go to the King Sugar International just now, you will see the posters of Usmang from last year's race. Yes. That's going to be you yeah. next year. I mean, every time I walk <laughs> to, the, to the airport, I'll be like, one day I'll be there. Yes. You know, this will be me. And th- those moments... Things like that. That's motivating. It's motivating. Yeah. As much well as people will say, ah, you're just looking for attention. No, it's not about attention. It's, it's, it's a motivation. It's something that you wake up in the morning and be like, oh, okay, what are we doing today to be better? Yeah. Okay, let's, you know, let's kick on. Let's make it happen. It's oh. not about trying to get attention. Nah, forget about attention. You've worked hard. Whatever attention you'll get, it's fine. Get more <laughs> and more and more. You deserve it. Uh, Salimaj on Twitter in the dying seconds of the show says, what a fascinating story. Our future is predetermined if we are determined. May he soar higher and higher. It is all inspiring journey uh, to get to where he is today. The sky is the limit. Champ, I am in awe of the person that you are. I'm in awe of what you've brought to the country, your family, and to yourself, the dignity, the pride, and everything else that goes with it. May you continue, as he says, to soar higher and higher. If this is the beginning, may it be so. You're 24. You'll still be riding when you're 34. And have mountains and mountains of success. The money will follow. It's not important. It is what you leave behind. It's been a true pleasure, champ. Thank you very much for having me. And to the listeners at home, big thanks for the support. And I'll keep making you guys proud. And... I'll keep doing what I do best and just keep raising the flag high. Our champion of the Hollywood Bats, Durban July, Kabila Matsunyane. My guest here tonight on Hashtag MSW. Catch you again tomorrow. Marawa Sports Worldwide Live. In three, two, one. On 947, Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. Hashtag MSW.